Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is bringing back daily COVID-19 briefings. That's because the governor says every region in the state is heading in the wrong direction. Today marks the third day in a row for regions seven and eight to report a rolling positivity average of 8% or above. New restrictions were announced yesterday for region five, Southern Illinois. So that means um, four of our 11 regions have triggered our fail safe state action metric. So what does a second surge of COVID-19 cases mean for Illinois? And what's the best way to respond to a resurgence of cases across the state? Joining us now, Dr. Emily Landon. She's an infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Dr. Landon, welcome back to Reset. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So city, state, and health officials warning we're moving in the wrong direction. They're calling it a second surge. We're in it. What does that mean? Well, it looks like the numbers are going up, not just here, but across the country. But they really are going up in Chicago. You know, even through the summer surge where we saw a lot of problems down in the southern states, Illinois remained relatively pretty stable. But we're not seeing that this time. We're seeing big increases every single week in many different regions, which suggests that there's definitely a problem. Yeah, and I was going to say, how much does this have to do with uh, the changing weather, the fall, the fact that we're going indoors, no longer outdoors in the summer? Well, we know that as the air gets cooler, it can't hold as much moisture, and so the humidity comes down. And we know now that COVID can spread a lot more easily. So those droplets that travel about six feet and the aerosols that can go even further, they can travel a little further. They can last a little longer as the air gets drier. And then when we come inside, there's not as much air for those particles to be diluted in because your room is any room you're in is Mm. substantially smaller than the great outdoors. So you definitely have those particles sort of building up as well. And these are big reasons why we're expecting to see spread uh, sort of be worse in the wintertime. But we're also seeing a lot of cases in our neighboring states. And people cross over those borders. They come here for commerce. They come here for work. They come here for vacation, or we do the same. And we're bringing cases back and forth. Uh, Yesterday, the press conference with uh, the public health director, Dr. Arwady, the takeaway line, which was the great headline, stop inviting people to your house. I mean, yeah. That really was it, saying that that really, they've pinpointed to say that, which, which we've gotten very comfortable with as Chicagoans, saying, you know what, if we're socially distanced, if we're in the backyard, maybe they can come in a little bit. But that really is what's causing this community spread, inviting people over to your house. Well, I think that is a big issue. I think people feel safe in their homes, and they think that they can control the situation a little bit better. So they feel like, you know, it worked out to have people come over for July 4th in the backyard, and so maybe we can have them over, you know, for a socially distant game night now. And the reality is that things are just really different than they were on July 4th. First of all, 
everybody who walks into your house is much more likely to have COVID than they were a few weeks ago. And that same thing is probably going to be even more true in a couple of weeks. And then you just don't have the same scenario, warm, moist air, mostly outside, keeping distance. People are getting a little bit, you know, it's much easier to stay six feet apart when you're outside than it is when you're sitting in your living room. Yeah, that's that's got to be part of the problem here. And, And you think about it, we've got some holidays coming up with Halloween and, of course, Thanksgiving. And uh, and then you get into Christmas and Hanukkah and the other holidays. It, it seems that uh, this is going to have an impact on how we are approaching those holidays because what we knew last week is different than what we know this week. Yeah, I would say the most important advice I'm giving about the holidays is to make sure everything stays tentative. You just can't make a final decision about what's the right thing to do until much, much closer to the event. Things are changing so quickly right now that we just can't, you you can't decide that it's going to or not going to be safe based on where you go. Is the message to residents to go back to our thinking back in March and April, is that the way we have to look at this? I mean, I remember having a different set of, you know, I was washing down groceries. I was, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere near anybody who didn't have a mask or even on the sidewalk. I was walking out into the street. That was my March, April routine. That has changed. Do I need to go back to that in October? No. Justin, we've learned a lot since then. And we know that groceries are safe, that Amazon packages are safe. We know that most of the things that you touch don't need, I mean, you should wash your hands and you should keep shared surfaces clean, especially in workplaces. But these things are not as much of a risk as we thought. We also know now that if everybody's wearing masks, it really reduces the transmission risk considerably, especially inside. So I think what we want to do is really, we just need to be really strict about those W's. And I would add a couple more things to that. So that's wash your hands, wear a mask, watch your distance. And then I'm adding a fourth W, which is open the windows. Um, You want to get more ventilation. Even if that means cranking up the heat and opening the windows at least a few times a day, that's a really good idea. And then I really do think these small gatherings inside of homes, we are seeing lots and lots of cases at University of Chicago where people have been reporting these kinds of gatherings resulting in significant transmission. Mayor Lightfoot, Governor Pritzker, both warning the city and the state that they could move back to some phase three restrictions if COVID metrics continue to rise. What's the best way to approach this? The governor himself saying, well, you know, it may not be what we did back in April, but there may be some restrictions. Yeah. So we know more which things are the greatest risk. And honestly, being inside with your mask off is super dangerous, not just for you, but for the people around you. And even if you have your mask on, if everybody else doesn't have theirs on, then you're at risk. And so there is a big push to reduce crowded indoor environments where people are in close contact. That means without masks and where the ventilation isn't great. And there just aren't great standards for ventilation in places like restaurants. And it's really hard for hospitality-type places, restaurants and bars, to stay open with such reduced capacities that they may be pushing the envelope a little bit. Some are doing Mm -hmm. everything that they're supposed to and taking all the precautions, and others are not being quite as careful. And sometimes the patrons aren't being as careful. And it may be necessary to sort of make more restrictions around those things. I know that doesn't make people happy. I don't want to see any restaurants fail. My favorite restaurant closed because of this pandemic, Mm. and it's so sad to me. I wish we had better protections for the businesses that are the hardest hit. And so I really hope that stimulus package passes and that it has a lot of relief, especially for hospitality workers. But if we can't 
keep the virus spread low by wearing our masks, watching our distance, not having these in-home gatherings, then the rates will be just too high to justify putting people in harm's way in restaurants and bars. You know, when those are open, people think it's safe to go. And the reality is that people aren't making a personal assessment about, well, is it cool if I get COVID or not? Is it worth it to me to go to this bar if I get COVID later or if I give COVID to my grandmother at Thanksgiving dinner? They're just not making that assessment. They're saying it's open. I should be able to go. And that's not really how it's working if the percent positive rate is higher than, you know, what it is right now. So I think we're going to see that. Well, Dr. Landon, and I don't want to make this a political question, but it is this this idea that um, we hear from our leadership and, and some leaders and the president of the United States, one of them that says, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I, I got it and, and I was able to do it, get through it. And it's going to be it's like the flu. And as mortality rates, uh, the percentages go down. This is this is something we're just going to have to live with. What do you say to that? What do you say to the idea that more and more people are just assuming that COVID is like the flu? Well, it's not like the flu. It's more deadly than influenza. And there's a lot of other sort of collateral damage or complications that you can get with COVID that we don't see very much with the flu. We don't know what the long-term consequences are, but everybody's hearing now about more and more cases of people with long-haul COVID or long symptoms. We're also seeing evidence of heart and lung damage, even in young, healthy people who have mild infections. And we don't know whether or not that's going to heal up over time or whether it's going to cause damage. My 12-year-old may do great with a COVID infection as a child, but what if he has long-term heart damage? And we just don't know enough to know whether or not that's the sort of risk I want to put my kid in. And so we just can't say with certainty that things are going to be fine. Certainly, it's more deadly than flu. Certainly, more people need hospitalization than flu. Certainly, more people have long-term consequences than with influenza. And certainly, more people are... Uh, susceptible to COVID than to flu. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have an antiviral like we have for flu to help rescue people or prevent infection, you know, the way that we do for flu. And so we just can't put those in the same box. The fact that the president did well is, is a factor of, you know, some luck. And also the fact that he probably, he got a lot of care and treatment and early recognition that a lot of people aren't afforded. And he did have to spend days in the hospital True. with a lot of extra monitoring. That would be really difficult for a lot of families. Absolutely. It's not all bad news that's coming out right now. Obviously, the sur- second surge that's hitting this country right now is pretty bad. But the governor touted yesterday the state's testing and the contact tracing efforts. This has been something that Illinois has taken the lead on because <clears throat> it is different in, from state to state, sometimes from suburb to city versus rural. But this idea that uh, we are moving forward and how much we're testing and how much we're trying to figure out where these uh, infections come from. Yeah, that's right. Um, testing is becoming more and more widely available. But I'm still hearing about places not testing people with because they're not sick enough. Honestly, don't let anyone tell you that. If Even if you have mild symptoms of a cold, you cannot tell the difference between a cold and the beginning of COVID. And if you just keep on acting normal in your life and saying, ah, it's fine, it's just, it's probably just a mild cold, then you're going to infect a lot of, you could potentially infect a lot of people with COVID. And certainly it's, the prevalence of COVID is higher than the prevalence of any colds going around right now. Mm -hmm. That may change over time, but um, everybody with any symptoms should get tested. And if someone tells you you shouldn't because you're not sick enough yet, then you need to find another testing site. And there are 
tons of information online about where you can get tested. Are we at a point, though, uh, because even getting a COVID test, if you're not doing it, uh, if you're not a, a, a essential worker or a frontline responder or, I guess, an athlete, getting a rapid test is still difficult. You're still talking about two or three days to get your results. Are we moving towards this being a 20-minute kind of thing, a 30-minute kind of thing of getting the exact results the day that you go in and swab? Well, we have to be really careful with that because the faster the test, the less likely it is to pick up your COVID disease. Mm. And so oftentimes you need confirmation from some of those tests. And so I think uh, and that's true whether you're the president of the United States, as we can see from the Rose Garden issue where everybody tested negative, yep. but clearly a lot of people had COVID or someone did anyway, um, to the, you know, to these college testing programs, to what we're doing in hospitals. Now, you should be able to get your test results back in 24 to 48 hours, and you need, with any symptoms at all, you've got to stay home and stay isolated until you have an answer. Best thing to get tested really as early as your symptoms start, wait those couple days out, work from home if you can, try and take those days off. And then when you get your negative result back, most tests are coming back in the state of Illinois within two two days, three days. University of Chicago testing is coming back within 24 to 48 hours max. As we wrap, I mean, we go back to this idea, this 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 cultural idea of COVID fatigue. And it's one thing that I think uh, is a, it's real. I mean, it's real in the way that I think it's just the way human beings operate. At a certain point, you live in this boiling pot of water and, and you get used to it, right, to anything. So, right. so what do you say to people who had that fatigue, they've loosened up, they haven't uh, gotten COVID, <laughs> they, they see themselves and they're, what they're doing right now as okay. What do you say to them uh, as we go through a second surge here in Illinois? Yeah, the first thing to do is to acknowledge that you have COVID fatigue. I have COVID fatigue. I think literally everyone has yeah, COVID right. fatigue. I'm sick of it. But the second thing to do is to ask yourself, do I need to get over this COVID fatigue or not? And how do I want to get over it? Do I want to get over it sitting in the hospital with COVID or after I infect a family member who then gets really sick with COVID? Do I want to or do I want to get over it by finding ways to get outside and, and do other activities by figuring out being creative and figuring out safe ways to have fun and do things? having a Zoom cocktail party instead of going to a bar and trying some new craft, you know, fancy cocktails you know, at home, or do I want to invite all my friends over and ignore that COVID is there? It's really true that we all have a little bit of denial. You just have to ask yourself how you want to get over it. You can do it a productive way, or you can do it a hard way. Um, and if you decide you don't want to get over it, then I hope you stay far away from me, my family, <laughs> and everybody that I know. That's well said. Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Dr. Landon, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for the Reset Podcast. If you like what you hear, continue to listen. If you'd like to tell your friends, tell them to subscribe. I'm Justin Kaufman, and we'll catch you right back here tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.